you need to work hard there's no shortcut to success have a stand and a say or sort of a signature attitude towards how you do your work so because people will know you for how you present yourself it's great to work in multi-diverse teams and communicate to the multi-diverse team is becoming a very important um, tool when it comes to practicing creativity hi my name is Masha Tisa and you're listening to the creative bar podcast the creative bar podcast is a podcast that helps you get to your full creative potential as always i'm always in a journey to get people who are doing amazing stuff And today I have such a person, and to be honest, she's one of the few female creative directors we have in Kenya. She's the founder and creative director of shopnanjela.com. Our guest today is called Teresa Lubano. She'll be talking to us about her journey, how she started, what she's learning, and then she's also going to be talking about e-commerce. So if you're interested in getting venturing into e-commerce or you have these ideas of starting an e-commerce shop, Uh, you're going to get a couple of tips from this recording. I'd like to do a special mention to Mdundo Online Media. You know, if you're looking for a place to get East African conscious music and just to know what people are doing around the East African region for amazing shows, you can listen to an online radio called Mdundo Online, which is your show for East African conscious music. So ladies and gentlemen, without wasting much time, I'd like to welcome Teresa to the podcast and I hope that all of you guys are going to learn a lot from this recording. Welcome, Teresa, to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you very much, Marcia. Excited to be in this um, forum. Honored as well for you to invite me to actually speak to you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So I've been looking at your profile. I've been following you for a while, by the way. Uh, One of these days I was saying, uh, one of these days I'll interview you. (laughs) So I'm so happy that you you. are able to accept the LinkedIn invite and you are able to be here in this podcast. I don't know. How do you always describe yourself? If someone asks you who's Teresa, what do you see? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, So I'm a passionate designer. I think that's the first thing. Um, I think design is is like almost playing God. <laughs> so um, one of those people who um, love the idea that I practice something that I really love, and I loved it since childhood, I describe myself as a multidisciplinary designer, um, but I also have a love for nature. Um, And I think we should be inspired by it. Mm, I'm also an illustrator. I love botanical illustration. I've just gotten into it. And yeah, I'm also a mom um, with two lovely kids. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so you're saying you're a multidisciplinary designer and you've always known that ever since you're a child. Uh, Would you tell us what are some of those things as a child like that means design is something you knew as a child you'd always wanted to do. You didn't want to be a lawyer. You know those things, those other dreams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Yes. So I think the word design was not mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I loved art and beautiful things was there from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'll just track like a few couple of examples. When I was in nursery, um, and I, I got to find out this much later, like when I was 12, my, my mom actually showed me a picture um, of an actual book of my report card in nursery. And w- one of the comments that the teacher had made was that Teresa is shy, but loves to draw. So mm-hmm. that was sort of from infancy. I loved to, you know, get into this creative world of drawing. And I loved color and, you know, beautiful things. But then also it just followed me through school. So in high school, I took art. I got an A in art. Um, I also went to pursue a degree in design um, at the University of Nairobi, which I excelled. You know, it was upper class honors. I'm also doing a master's in design. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout my life and career, I've always celebrated the creative arts um, in many ways. And also, of course, I have invested, you know, invested time to understand the the industry in many ways. So also mentioned earlier, just how to enhance my skill, not just to in advertising, because that's where my background is. Um, I've worked for an advertising agency for, um, I've been in the advertising industry for about 18 years, Mm -hmm. but also just in other ways, like um, I know how to do calligraphy. I used to do a lot of, you know, um, calligraphy writing for certificates from when I was in primary. 
um, I do my own cards, like I make my own cards if yeah. ever there's an occasion. So it's little things that I've done in my life that actually um, celebrates the creativity in me. Um, and it also goes into things like fashion, you know, um, yeah. style, um, you know, how my home looks. So I don't see design as one thing. Um, you know, the way people say I'm just a graphic designer. I feel yeah. like design manifests in everything we do. Yeah. 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 Um, and I yeah. also feel like that's also my story in a way. Because uh, most people that I've actually yeah. talked to, you find ever since they were children, because for me, I used to do crafts. I used to decorate our class. So it's always been the story. And then it kind of adds up. Before you know what you're working on, eventually you get some clarity as you move on. So uh, I think from right. what I'm hearing from your story is you didn't have that conflict because for me, I, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, lawyer, but then I knew art was that other thing. So I went to campus and did film production and animation. Did you by chance have any like conflict or you're conflicted in any way in your journey to choose whatever it is yes. you wanted? So, yeah. yeah, so very interestingly, yes. Yeah. So one of the other things that I love is um, biology. So I really wanted to be a doctor. Um, yeah. In fact, in my mind, I pictured myself as a plastic surgeon. <laughs> okay. uh, again, to make people look pretty. But um, yeah, but I think what happened was it was at that time I was disappointed. So I missed like a point to actually go into mm. practice medicine. Yeah. But my second choice, which was design, was equally as good. And I remember having a conversation with my parents and I was telling them, I don't mind going to do design i really also love design because yeah. it was either or um but of course i was shattered that i couldn't go practice medicine and i was called to do design yeah. but now when i think about it i think i am happy where i'm at yeah. <laughs> where i did pursue what i really really did love and was yeah. passionate about yeah i agree yeah. with you because uh, i think the biggest challenge is always people thinking like design related courses you don't need to be that smart you know medicine you know if you're doing something like medical you know you have the grades but design i think the more you continue learning about art you're like you really need the brains you there's a lot it's not just painting even painting there's a lot of so artists artistic people are smart people in a way you agree <laughs> i think so i think so i think yeah i think the talented um genius comes with intellectual intelligence it's just a shame that society um only accords um sort of reverence to people yeah. who are book smart yeah um, but i think also having um a talent smartness is equally you know should also be upheld in the same you know, nobleness or, or platform or pedestal as any other intelligence because there are different types types of intelligence. Yeah. And I think more as we continue to live in this world, we are realizing that, you know, um, everyone who has been blessed with certain, you know, certain talents and and if if someone is really good at something, they ought to be celebrated as being geniuses, you know, because that's just a different form of genius manifesting in a human being. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just a stereotype. It'll change with time. And I think we're yeah. seeing the creative economy is being spurred because people are appreciating now the the you know the creativity aspect of, of intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned now after going to the University of Nairobi, so you've been in the advertising for around 18 years. Uh would you just like would you just now maybe give us a highlight? What exactly were you doing during that period? And then what are some of the things you've learned from advertising? So um, like any, you know, doe-eyed junior um, say creative, because I just, you know, popped out of campus and I was like, I was looking for a job. I really had big, you know, lofty dreams for myself. So I wanted to work for the biggest advertising agencies um, and I put my application everywhere. So I rose up the ranks from a junior graph graphic designer. I remember starting my internship at KTN, um, became, a, you know, um, graphic design and capital colors right now the agency i don't think it exists but yeah um, went into experiential marketing became a senior creative uh, designer then joined another experiential agency i think you guys know exp yeah um, one of the one of the best experiential agencies in, in in africa actually and then i then went to seven brands which is where i spent eight years the last eight years of my career in advertising and um for me what i loved about um, my journey is it was you know, it was, it was through the whole chain from, you know, from learning fundamentals all the way up to, you know, 
being the creative lead, you know, to pitching and, and writing strategy decks for corporates and brands that would like um, to create demand for their products and services. So for me, the learnings are many. I mean, for one is that you need to work hard. There's no shortcut to, to success. Yeah. Um, another thing is that um, have a stand and a say or a sort of a signature attitude towards how you do your work. So, because people will know you for how you present yourself. So for example, if you're good at graphics, be the best. If you're good at animation, be the best because those are the people who make it. Um, considering it's such a niche career, you almost need to be extremely good at it for you to be yeah. recognized and for people to approach you with work. The other thing that I've noticed and I discovered quite late in my career was it's great to work in multi-diverse teams. And the previous agency I was in, um, it was an agency that has footprint. It actually still exists. Um, it's an agency that has footprint in the UK. That's where the admin, um, the headquarters of the agency is. However, they do have other um, offices in Bahrain, Jordan, Oman, and of course in Nairobi to represent the Africa office, and yeah. of course South Sudan. So what that did is that I was exposed to different um, creatives across different markets. And you realize that with a diverse team um, and also just appreciating that multi multicultural context enriches yeah. your experience as a creative where you're able to work um, collaboratively and more efficiently because you're, you're pulling ideas from different people who yeah. are, you know, have different experiences. So, I mean, for me, um, you know, it, it's just three things, work hard, be the best at what it is you you do because you know everyone's looking for the best right now yeah. and value for money and of course um inclusivity in terms of being able to work with a multi-diverse teams is becoming a very um and communicate with a multi-diverse team is becoming a very important um tool when it comes to practicing creativity because yeah. um, um um collaboration is key in this yeah. industry and you must be able to work with others so i'm not really a big champion of solopreneurs when it comes to the creative field i feel yeah. you miss out on the larger um pool yeah, yeah of experience uh the collective networking the collective expertise that a team would bring yeah um one of the things that i really understand about advertising i haven't worked in the advertising agent industry by the way but one thing that i know is it's a, it's a very high pressure zone like you know the output has to be very fast just like you said there's a lot of competition and you've also mentioned at some point you are creative director meaning you're managing some creatives what are some of the things you've learned about managing creatives because the, the whole thing of solopreneurship sometimes it's also because people <laughs> They find it either easier to work by themselves. What are some of the things you've learned about that? And how are you able to get an output real quick in the agencies? How are you able to be seen during that period? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, trying to figure out how to answer quickly and, and, and efficiently. So I think one of the things that um, is important um, for a designer to grow is for you to actually demonstrate that you can manage a team. Because remember, um, in the advertising world, the brief is not um, one thing. You know, it's always yeah. a brand wants um, a pool of things, like say a brand package of items. Say they want a logo, they want um, social media posts, they want brochures, banners, they want a TV, a radio ad. So one person cannot successfully do all that. Yeah. Right? So you almost, so as a creative, I'll just speak from a creative director lens. So one of the things that you must be able to do as a creative who is, essentially um, being, um, you know, being in charge, uh, has been given that opportunity to be in charge of a team, is to be able to work with people. You must be able to work with people. And that means you have to be switched on from a communication point of view. You must be able to see ahead and also be able to plan. So you must be a project manager, a good communicator, and also be able to see um, what the vision, the ultimate vision is and articulate it for your team to execute. So, um, so yes, um, one of the things you need to look for is people who actually are experts in their, in, their, in their territory. So for example, working with good copywriters, ensuring that you're able to articulate the brief to them for them to actually see your vision because the creative director drives the vision. Yeah. And then, so I, as a creative director, I'm also a graphic designer because I need to be able to sketch, draw, um, do a mood board, um, do sort of templates of what it is I'd like to showcase whether it's a web design 
whether it's um, a brochure layout or a poster or even a photo shoot for a campaign. I must yeah. be able to articulate it. And, 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 and then, of course, understand who is needed to produce all this. So you can imagine you're planning a whole thing, um, a whole uh, brand campaign. You must be able to, to, to understand that all these dynamics need to work together for you to actually then say, aha, here is the final work. Yeah. What do you think? Um, um, as a pitch process. And then therefore, once they pay you, you're able to then see it through. Mm. So there are many, it's a multi-diverse skill set. You must be able to understand your materials when it comes to production of, of physical things like modules or structures for, for say exhibition. You must be able to also understand the virtual aspect, the digital aspects of, yeah. of campaign, which is how, how are powerful ads made on social media um, that can, you know, deliver the communication in quick fire, you know, time, <laughs> like 20 seconds. Yeah. You must be able to understand the sort of people who produce these comms. Is the animation produced via CGI or is it meant to be shooting live things or is it going to be a blend of both? You need to understand many dynamics yeah. um, of, of, of advertising. So I must say it is a mishmash of, many things and it also takes experience for you to get to that point and that's yeah. why you can't just wake up and become a creative director unless you're a super genius and you're just um exceptionally talented however most people who become creative directors have actually gone through the full process mm. they've understood packaging and graphics they've understood principles of um of of tv advertising and and creating radio spots um and they've understood script writing and so on and so forth yeah there are many aspects including management you know yeah. managing people which <laughs> also really becomes happens. a skill that you learn so yeah. um, as i mean and i think and i think it's not for everyone i must yeah. say i mean and particularly i do know um and i'm yet to meet there are very few creative directors who are female Mm. Because it is a demanding career, yeah. Um, particularly when you're right at the top, when everyone is depending on your word. You know, a client is trusting you and trusting you with millions of shillings. You know, to deliver on a brand campaign that will create demand for the products and services that they like to to sell to their audiences. So I think, um, if you love high adrenaline pressure and you're motivated by it, yeah. <laughs> I'd encourage you to pursue advertising to the very top. However, if you feel you want to focus on just um, creating, which is the studio aspects, being a graphic designer, being an art director, then yes, um, that is also great because then, you know, you're, you're sort of saying, I just want to be with my machine you know? yeah. <laughs> and work on my graphic skills. And, and that's fine. Not everyone, it's not for everyone. That's what I mean. Yeah. But it is, it is satis for me, it was a satisfying thing to do. And, and I really, from that, I got to learn how to manage a team, how to, and also just, also I was growing a business, which is the agency yeah. I was working for. So I popped out to actually now focus on my business and to focus on me. And I'm really appreciative of the years, the formative years of, of my career in advertising. Yeah, so you're there for 18 years, but you've really tried with it because the high adrenaline. And then now you left advertising. <laughs> uh, why did you leave advertising and what, what did you start doing now at that point? What what informed your decision to leave? Because you're doing so well. You're one of the few female creative directors we know of. Um, yeah. yeah, why did you leave advertising yeah. when everything was okay for you? So many things. Um, one is I think COVID really um, opened my eyes. I think um, it was, you can imagine the high pressure, you have kids in school, kids now are yeah. no longer in school. So I think COVID was part of the epiphany, if I may say, in terms of a catalyst of the epiphany of, you know what, it's never that serious. Because <laughs> I, I, at some point, I also had um, a mental breakdown. Um, mm. But I think that wasn't sort of what spurred me to exit. What spurred me to exit is that I also wanted to to grow. As mm. so I think um, when you grow into your career, there are certain times, like I think some for some people it's 30, for some people it's 40, for some people it's 50. But you actually just want to take a pause and and see how else to grow yourself. So for me, mm. I went into I went back to school mm. in September last year. And um and because of that, there was a clash between my work and, and school, and I decided to just you know, just take time out from advertising because I really felt um, going back to do my master's was important for me at that time. 
And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it because now I'm a scholar and a researcher as well in the advertising field. I'm also growing myself because I think it's important in life not just to be giving. As a designer, we give. We give a lot. We give our souls, literally. So sometimes you also need to look at yourself and say, how do you want to also grow and also sort of self-love, you know? So too much adrenaline, too much pressure sometimes can break break you and sometimes you just want to actually sit back and say how do i also grow myself as regards to growing others but the beauty is i'd also started uh, my own um brand it's called shop nanjala and when i was already working i sort of you know i was sort of also stepping into the gig economy and therefore it was like a soft landing even when i left college uh, when i left advertising and went into college i still have Shop Nanjala that I'm working working on, and um, and other interesting things like I'm still I still do projects for people in advertising. You know they they sort of commission me or hire me to contract me to do for them advertising um, or experiential marketing for them. So yeah, so those are the core reasons, and I think it was just about time. You know, <laughs> I'm 40, so, so it was just about time. It was just about time for your life to begin. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, you mentioned you had Shop Nanjala then. So, uh, so I'm interested in knowing the story of Shop Nanjala just from the beginning. Uh, which year did you begin Shop Nanjala and what informed your decision? And then so that when you left advertising, so you had a soft landing. So let's begin mm -hmm. from the beginning. Where did Shop Nanjala start? Okay. So it's very interesting. I mean, for me, um, there's something that happens. I keep telling people this. There's something that happens when women get pregnant. I don't know if that's, and I'll just be honest, I'll put it out there. It needs to be studied more. I don't think it's studied enough. Um, you're, it's like you, you're at your most intelligent at the time when you're, when you're pregnant. So that's just one part of it. But why I actually started not Shop Nanjala was simply because I'd been working in an advertising agency, helping big corporates um, create demand for their products. And for me, what I, when I looked around, I realized that there were other people who didn't have that... Um, monetary um, power to actually do that, like an approach an agency and do it. So it started like I was just trying to give back to the Joakali industry where I saw people, you know, and, and for me, I loved also plants. So I looked at people in the, um, in the Joakali industry. I was like, you know what, these guys um, really, really work really hard. You know, they're in the hot sun, they make their products, but who helps them market their wares? The government really doesn't do it, really. Um, so for me, I started working with artisans, literally. Like, I went to the roadside, bought some plants, and this guy was so excited. I remember he was working for someone. He's like, um, please be buying your succulents from me, you know? So I started slowly amassing my own collection in my backyard. And then all of a sudden, I was looking for people who make pots. All of a sudden, I was looking for people who make, you know, metal stands for, you know, for putting your plants on a pedestal, ETC. And I realized one thing. One is um, I realized that Shop Nanjala was just bigger than selling plants. It was literally a platform for access to markets for, for Joakali artisans, just giving them the exposure that I felt they needed. Because, and you see, because I was a designer, I had that power. I had that power to actually um, create a platform, um, an e-commerce platform at that. At the time, it was unheard of for an individual to actually create um, an e-commerce platform. Usually it's big corporates. I think in Ajumia and Sendi were just waking up. I was there by myself with my own little resources from advertising, built an e-commerce website from scratch. Which year um, was that? Started onboarding. That's Which year? 2015. Mm -hmm. 2015. So, I mean, of course, anyone that discuss about e-commerce are like, what's that? You know, like it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Like, I was like, okay, fine. I mean, um, and because I had knowledge of digital marketing, built it. But the core reason was I just needed to expose their work because they had beautiful work. They're on the roadside. By tomorrow, of course, they're bebwad by, you know, by city council <laughs> or even a road has petered your business folds, you know. So for me, I felt as I did my work for corporates, I was also, you know, um, doing my planting, which I love, but I'm also the product because it's packaged with other products that are from the Joakali artisans, I was also sort of um, exposing their work. Remember, their work, lack, besides just lacking visibility, is that they also lack the, um, an enhanced digital expertise to also onboard their products online, right? Mm -hmm. So we hear of Junior, but who onboards their products on Junior? Yeah. Normally, it's the digi-savvy people. So I just felt, you know what, let me do this. 
in my small sphere of um, plants and nature and then also um, and give them access to markets. So it was a simple reason that um, and, you know, I'm just going back to the guy I first bought my first succulents from. I consistently bought plants from him and um, we became sort of partners. Mm -hmm. And right now he has his own nursery. Like wow. he stopped working for someone and now he has his own nursery. And he literally, he's called um, James. He was a young 18 year old. And right now, you know, he can say Shop Nanjala was, uh, was, uh, was there, they were supplying us with, with their plants. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the reason why he grew. And I think, that for me was a very satisfying story. Um, and I'm really happy that, that you know, um, that I'm doing something to, to, to just, you know, enhance the economic um, power of artisans. Because, yeah. you know, I think relying on just bypasses is one thing. But I think we live in a world where we are able to sell our products beyond, you know, just the one space we're in. We're able to sell products to the world. And Shop Nanjala is proof of that. You know, we have sold over, I think, um, you know, 5,000 products on our website, you know, wow. very interestingly. And most of these products are, are bought by diaspora, um, set, buying products for people in Kenya, foreigners who are coming to live here, high-end um, individuals who are interested in plants and gardening. And I think for me, um, you know, soon, people will get accustomed to shopping online yeah. and I think we're already seeing it. And I must say that it was, it was an opportune time, you know, at that time yeah. when I started um, the e-commerce platform, because right now it's just up and up, you know, mm. um, my market is growing. I feel like um, COVID particularly accelerated mm. um, um, the purchases on my website. Like, there were lots of people who are at home and they wanted to beautify or improve their home. So they were able to actually purchase on my website. Wow. So yeah, so grateful that I started a worthy cause. It's more like a worthy cause to me yeah. <laughs> rather than a straight up profit making business. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a really, that's a good testimonial, especially from one of your, your first clients. Uh, that's James. I'm hearing a couple of things. First of all, you've mentioned creatives are used to giving, giving, giving. You need to take time to grow. I think also another thing I'm also hearing from your journey as well is there's a giving, but you know, when you're doing something for yourself and helping someone else, you're actually more fulfilled as opposed to you even feel like your growth, it, it kind of gives you. So I feel like all of us need to have that, that thing that you're giving that someone can say, hey, Masha, because of what you did, because of what you've, you've done something in my life, you've created an impact using our creativity for purpose. Correct. That's the thing. So, yeah, I think right now we're living in a world where we need to be cognizant that um, we should be, we ought to be building sustainable businesses. And what sustainable businesses means, it's, it's just that instead of thinking of growth, 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 like profit making, we should be thinking of inclusivity yeah. inbuilt into our affairs um, and practicing sustainable things. So sustainability, inclusivity, and growth yeah. are mutually reinforcing in the business yeah. if it's not happening then you know you're sort of not really um cognizant of what's happening in the world you know yeah which is climate change <laughs> yeah um and and therefore and that's why um conducting a business that has social impact is such a good thing mm. because even if you're looking for funding people will 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 sit back and listen because they see your impact in your your community yeah. you know it's just it's just not putting money in your pocket and yeah. and not 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 taking care of or not being cognizant of what's happening in your environment so yeah, yeah. so yes very fulfilling <laughs> <laughs> very fulfilling yeah congratulations yeah. so here you are 2015 uh, you decide to begin shop nanjala so you set up an e-commerce website uh, one thing that wasn't clear, did you did you design the website by yourself or you had someone else do the website for you? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. okay. So so you start so you start, so you so you're doing this thing called e-commerce that a lot of many people at the time did not know of. Um so I, I'm just interested. Of course you had your experience in advertising and the likes. Uh give me a gauge of what it is you had, the knowledge you had before, and what are some of the challenges you had at the beginning. And then what are some of the different tips you have for e-commerce now? Because now it's a common trend. Now, nowadays, everybody's kind of has an understanding, but they still don't know how to navigate. What are, what are some of the tips you can give for someone else now since you've been there in the game for close to six to seven years? 
Okay, so um, so yes, I did I did design my own website. Very interesting. Wow. I mean, I was a creative director, and I had the time. I mean, for me, it wasn't. I was not starting a business out of pressure. Um, so yeah. it took me six months to build, which is uh, it was pretty long, mm-hmm. and that's because um, e-commerce was still young. It was at its nascent years at the time. Um, but I think one of the things that um, I remember was I worked with a very good team there. So as much as I did the front end and sort of shared what the wireframe would look like, I actually got to work with a very good team that understands how e-commerce websites are built. So they helped me with integration. I picked up the theme um, from WooCommerce. If you know, there's Shopify, there's also WooCommerce. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it wasn't easy. I remember particularly the integration of the payment platform. I was doing a lot of vetting and that then is when I settled for PesaPal because they were all in one. They had M-Pesa, they had Visa, MasterCard, yeah. and of course, you know, the Airtel Money ETC. So um, it was sort of not hard because it's it's something that I do. So I think if I'm to highlight just some of the skills you need, um, I think there are many and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed because I had experience going for me. I was already in the field of graphic design. Um, one of the things that graphic designers ought to know is is to build a website, right? You need to be able to understand how a wireframe or a front end of the wireframe is created, um, imagery, copy, you know, things like that, for you to actually work with a developer, for you to sort of then join minds to, to bring it to life. So, um, but I think also just interestingly, I'd also studied IMIS. I have a diploma in IMIS, which is, stands for, if I'm not wrong, Institute for Management in Information Systems. Um, it's it's a UK-based certification, a diploma. I had done it for a year. And I think from there, I had, I had gotten a little experience about programming, which is, of course, you know, coding is part of programming. Um, other things that you may need to know is the pure, pure graphic design, because I needed to market, you know, I needed to do the logo to do the advertising on social media because without social media, you're not, no one will ever know you exist as a website. So um, that also was just from the fact that, um, that, that I was a graphic designer, but I just want to mention something here about, about um, e-commerce. So, and, and I actually got highlighted in an UNCTAD that is um, UNCTAD, uh, the 2022 report. And there's a little box on, and I'll send you the link of this article. It's actually a report where they highlighted um, Shop Nanjala. And the box that was highlighted was an interview I had with them, where I mentioned to them that um, for you to launch an e-commerce platform, you need to have an advanced digital skill set, a highly advanced digital skill set, whether it's you or your team. Uh-huh. It's important because there are many facets to e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just mention a couple, like you need to think about, you know, the back end, front end, you know, things like the inventory, how to upload your inventory or your products onto the platform, you know, the integration of payments, um, you know, register a proper business, you know, the legal aspects to that, design, you know, of the wireframe, yeah. how, you know, because people are buying images. So, if you're just going to just take pictures with your phone badly, snapshots at home, and yeah. upload them, uh, chances are you're underselling the product you're yeah. selling because you're cheap, because people are buying an image, you need to upload the best image, you know? So even just fundamentals of photography are important. Content creation is another one, you know? If you can't create content, how will you sell? Or if your team can't create content, yeah. you will have a beautiful website there that's just existing, and there's no there's no traction there's no there's no conversion as well you know without footprint um and i'll just give you statistics for every um a thousand people who step into your store only one percent at the very most as in that you're lucky lucky will convert what so for you to get yeah so for you to get yeah that's the reality e-commerce in fact it's less in fact it's actually um 0.3 i think percent so it's only the Amazons who are pushing 1%, you know, um, yeah. 2%. But generally, you need to create an, a, a funnel in a manner that you have thousands of people hitting your website for you to actually convert. Um, because, yeah, they, there's competition. 
you know yeah. you're competing with physical and virtual so mm. and people now go to google and they compare you so i think there are lots of skills um that are required and then also an understanding of you know um what makes people tick and also who is your audience you know because you could yeah. be selling a great product to the wrong people you know yeah. and get frustrated and just say you know what i'm not interested so i think yeah. for me e-commerce is a highly um it's a challenging field <laughs> people think it's easy i know so many people call me and tell me she's i want to start an e-commerce how did you do it i'm like well e-commerce just setting up is the easy part yeah. <laughs> it's selling on the platform that's the hard part so i'll send you that link um, yeah. um just for you to get a feel and i think also it's important for people to read um reports about trade and the future of trade because e-commerce simply sits in that space of people in the future will be transacting online um the other thing you had asked i'm not sure if i've exhausted that question because there were three questions you'd asked what was the other part before the tips you uh, asked something else before the tips uh, i'd asked whether you designed it by yourself and also the tips for e-commerce okay yeah, so, so for tips i think i've written an article again i'll yeah. send you a link um so just top of the hat i think there were seven things that i think um one required for them to 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 excel in e-commerce yeah and i'll just highlight them because i wrote little notes because i don't remember what i wrote but i do remember the bullet points so one was logistics is in your is your business so so that's the one other skill that i haven't mentioned that you need to understand that so if someone buys something in your website that's just the first step right so to get it to them is another step so imagine you buying something from amazon yeah they you will buy it you love it you but you'll have to wait for it you know it's the shipping detail mm. and unfortunately we live in a society where our shipping addressing system our addressing system in general you know post office or otherwise or just even getting to know where someone lives is not really the most advanced right yeah. so that is a big issue in africa generally where the addressing system does not work so you almost need to create a way of ensuring that that item gets to the customer and i think you've seen platforms like copia they have yeah. their own fulfillment from ika you know you have jumia who you know will get it to you whenever they want to get it to you one month later <laughs> and so on and so forth yeah. so for me um i think logistics is something you need to think about in fact what i recommend for everyone is to own their own logistics so for example hire your own pikipiki um get your own vehicle if you if you really if you have the resources to because it's going to be a pain point and customers are not patient you can imagine someone has bought something they haven't seen and they want it as quickly as possibly to to be delivered to them so um ensure that it's integrated into your website that cost even if it's an estimate and then ensure it take it gets to the customer the second tip is content is king i think i'd mentioned this earlier yeah. where content creation becomes part of your business so regularly have you know posts you know whether it's content creation whatever you're comfortable doing whether it's video content whether it's uh posts with images you know and make them quality images of that not not the lazy you know um proverbs and proverbs and <laughs> and quotes and quotes yeah. all through and you know lazy posting really doesn't take anyone anywhere um so it's literally you need to plan the content so content is king because the more you talk about your your product yeah. um, and it's not really about your product it's about um the value you need to be talking about the value that this product will bring like for example i sell plants so it's a, sort of things like you know um did you know questions like did you know the sunflower has um a concept called heliotropics you know where it's always facing the sun um every time it'll always face the sun and follow the sun etc or it's things like fruit tree seedlings plant a tree you know etc etc so uh, content needs to be valuable content for the for the end customer and you really then that's why you need to really know your customer the other thing and there's so many things about content i just can't go into it um digital marketing i've mentioned it it must happen so whether you're comfortable with emailing which is apparently one of the most powerful ways of marketing so always sending a, a newsletter regularly um um or even just planning your content calendar for what you're posting on a week on week basis that's great some people have gotten their calendar covered for 6 months great for them they are really organized <laughs> it's pretty difficult but it's not impossible 
Um, another thing is data is load. I think, um, so yeah, data is load. It's like the everything. Um, and why I say this is because it's only by you running an e-commerce shop that you actually get to know this. Um, when you look at your backend, it tells you so many important things. For example, it'll tell you things like top sellers, you know, like in this particular time frame, you have sold these things. And therefore, you're able to know you should stock up more on these items. Or it could tell you things like, you know, um, my target audience is coming from this region, you know. So data is, um, it's called data analytics. There's, it's a whole industry where it helps you optimize your website. It leads to things like, you know, SEO, search engine optimization. Sorry, I'm getting into sort of now the jargon, but the idea here is that tracking your data is important. That's what it simply means. It means when you track what your data is telling you or you're able to sort of um, interpret it, you're able to then enhance, you know, your website and, and sort of get to understand what ads should I, should I um, put out there, you know, becoming more efficient by just not, you know, not guessing and saying, hey, people will love my, you know, my soapstone carvings. People will love my, you know, um, potted plants. You know, people. No, it'll start telling you. It'll just start telling you for real. Soapstones are not really working because you know people. It's not the gifting season. Perhaps focus on plants because it's raining. You know, because if you carry on for a year just tracking, and another year you're able to even start drawing parallels. Like, what are people buying in April versus what are people buying in December, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think for me, um, I think everyone and this is sort of you know a principle everyone should learn something about data you know just data data analytics um and of course integrating it into their website the other thing and this is the fifth thing is obsess about your customer so ha huh, this one i think is just uh, I, I don't even know what to say marcia yeah. um remember you are actually selling to people who have graciously come to your website. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are trusting your platform. They're trusting you to deliver. So if you can't obsess about your customer, chances are, so if you drop the ball, for example, on your customer, chances are, A, they won't even recommend you. B, they'll ask you to reimburse them their money. C, you know, there's a ripple effect. C is, you know, they won't even talk about you and therefore you'll not get extra customers or they never come back to buy from you. So I think for me, um, having, if you're not good with people, get someone who's good with people mm. to always ensure that they are keeping tabs with their customer. You know, some people use AI, they have chatbots. Some people use um, physical, like we as Shop Nanjala, we have yeah. someone dedicated to calling someone and asking them, um, you know, just telling them, even chatting, we chat to them first. We say, thank you for shopping Nanjala. We have gotten your order number XYZ. Um, um, be sure that we will be delivering your package in the next X days um, and or even two, three days and we will confirm once we dispatch, you know? Mm. That is so reassuring. Yeah. Then when the product is en route, you also need to communicate. Just like the way you track on, on FedEx if you shop yeah. on Amazon or, or DC. We will then, of course, tell you we've dispatched, we, are, we hook your home, the rider has your telephone, you know, within the hour, it should be with you, you know, yeah. if it's something within Nairobi and it's requirements, and so on and so forth. And even after the purchase, you know, you ask them questions, like a few days, you're like, here's a small um, link, please give us your review or please give us feedback. And I think um, it is critical that you actually ensure all your customers. And let me tell you for a fact, Shop Nanjala doesn't have many customers. We yeah. have many repeat customers oh so, okay. and you see and that is so someone shops once they'll come back a few months later to shop again and again like for us in fact we're on first 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 person it's a relationship so we're like on first person like hi marcia thanks so we they even we even know them you know mm. like hi marcia we got your order thank you again we'll be delivering on you know so it becomes a relationship and that's what you want to develop for your business yeah. not ah uh, done with one customer next you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you've forgotten your next one you're moving on to the next i think for me that's a very important point um of how to actually run an e-commerce shop and i think more people need to do it and that's where people most people also drop the ball they really once the sale is done they really forget about you know an, a, a beautiful experience from the word go all the mm -hmm. way to and 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 feedback 
Then the second last point is embrace innovation. I think this one I have already spoken about. Um, learn. Learn data analytics. Learn SEO. YouTube is such a fantastic platform to start. Yeah. You know, there are too many videos. One hour videos. Just get a tutorial and learn. Learn what search engine optimization is all about. Learn about data analytics. Learn how to create beautiful content and, and so on and so forth. So where your strengths aren't, you just learn. Where you're strong at, enhance them. And I won't be labor because there are so many things to learn in yeah. e-commerce. And the final one is hire the best. Hire the I work with um with we're we're a small niche team, we're a small sort of agile team, but I work with people who are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, I think that's for every business. Just hire the best. Hire someone who's smarter than you. And um, when it comes to bookkeeping, make sure you're keeping your books right. You don't want yeah. to to come for you. When it comes to customer experience, make sure you have a client liaison who's very, you know, understands your customer, is eloquent. Like in my business, we work, we, we sell a lot to expatriates. Some of them don't even understand Swahili. So you can imagine you can't be there speaking in Swahili or, you know, or riders who go there calling and saying, Uko api? Ati? Ati? You know. <laughs> Niko apa? Kuja? You know. So there's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain image you want to portray yeah. um, as a brand. And every brand has its own image and culture. So for us, we hire people who are smart at what they do. And, and of course, that also enriches and enhances the experience for our business. So I think those are the seven tips. And I think there's a whole blog I wrote about it. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, the idea around these tips was, um, interestingly, it's tips that I drew from a pitch a, a pitch competition, which mm. I won. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Okay, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> that was, it was in, it was a story, e-commerce story pitch. Um, and it was being done by ITC. Anyway, the thing is, I won a thousand dollars worth of. Um, it's a split for training. Our we were our team was trained in digital marketing mm-hmm. with an organization in Germany called Charicom, mm-hmm. uh, and of course we got of course the monetary funds to run paid advertising on our platform, which was really really great. So thank you very much for ITC. That's International Trade Center. Um, and they're called e-com. Yeah, I yeah. think it's called e-com. e-com. They're called e-commerce, something like that. So mm. anyway, um, yeah, so I think really it's it's not for the faint-hearted, but it's yeah. a, fulfilling, a fulfilling exercise. There's Considering everyone's pivoting. To you. Yeah. There's a lot of you... hard work, but also trade is changing. You yeah. Know, it's just like the way, just like the way transport um, has changed where, you know, before you'd have to walk to the bus stop, but now, the, the vehicle comes to you. Comes, it's the yeah. same thing. So the idea is to be cognizant that as the world evolves, you evolve as a business. Okay. So uh, just just briefly, you can also mention, you mentioned something about you need to really understand the legal bits. What are some of the legal issues that someone with an e-commerce platform is likely to encounter? Mm, so there are no legal issues. Okay, so yeah, there are legal issues to, to, to be thought through. So one is, of course, you need to register your business um, and ensure as you register your business, um, you have a certificate of incorporation, CR12, you know, MEMATS, ETC, because these are documents that you may need. Um, actually, you will need if yeah. you, to, you are to have a payment platform, a proper pay- payment platform. Like to be linked to PESAPAL, they need to know that you have these documents, that you're a legit business, but also that you have a bank account. So that's mm-hmm. one, because you can't open a business account without... Yeah. being a legal legally registered business yeah that's one part the other part is that um trademark your stuff like uh, we shop nanjala is you know i'm i'm grateful my sister is a lawyer oh, okay <laughs> <But> anyway <laughs> other than that um i do understand the importance of copywriting your work mm-hmm. so i have a trademark license for my brand which is nanjala it also mm-hmm. has a 3d trademark so not only is it 2d trademark it's a 3d yeah. trademark certain classifications and that simply means that you know if someone was to go out there and decide they want to purport or sell stuff in the you know in the name of manjala mm. i can happily sue them and i will win that that mm. that legal because i have actually protected my mark um and by virtue of protecting my mark the 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 way i package or the way i present myself to my customer in terms of products um that also becomes 
legitimately my prod my i own i own that experience i don't know if i'm making sense so there's that part then there's also the other part which is um legally e-commerce platforms are required to pay 16 percent okay um vat to to the government so um yes so you must um register for an etr machine one like this i think Mm. everyone knows what an etr machine is yeah and you would you would then remit 16 percent of your of your of your you know sales to the government and that was a requirement that was passed i think in 20 2019, 2020, yeah. and you must adhere to it. And then the final part, which is sort of something that is that just opened up as well recently in 2020, is that there's a Data Protection Act where you must adhere to where you have, you know, a data protection officer, mean, simply meaning that you have also a form on your website that ensures your audiences that they're actually, um, that they're that their personal data is protect is 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 um private and it's confidential and that you will not share it to third parties in just a nutshell but yeah. it's a whole act that protects anyone who's visiting your shop that you have put the required modalities on your website to ensure that you know you're not sheing i don't know if you know what sheing is or the cyber fraud basically yeah. where you're take, keeping people's records like credit card details and using them, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and and all sorts of funny things. So, so um, we what we've done as Shop Nanjala is we've put that in our terms of and conditions. Um, we we sort of also have our SSL sheet certification, which simply means when you when you when you search our URL, it's HTTPS. That yeah. S means we have a secure platform. Mm-hmm. that does not um allow fraud and also also protects your details like yeah. um credit card details to be specific when you transact on our platform those are important considerations and they have legal repercussions should you be reported you can go to jail that okay. you have been you know passing information to third parties um you're not allowing people to opt in onto your platform even for us if you're subscribing to our platform we allow you to opt in or out so those modalities are part of the data protection act it's a whole act um any lawyer would be you know who's a corporate lawyer would be able to unpack it for anyone who's interested or we could just google and have a look at what it what it is we try to adhere to to those um to the pact that was enacted recently so those are yeah. those are the legal requirements in yeah, a nutshell. There are a lot of issues because uh, I, I also love the fact that you said you trademarked your name and also the copyright bit. So I know aside from you helping other people like to sell their stuff, you also design your own stuff. Is that true? So those, those are the stuff that right. you copyright. Yeah. So so the thing is with copyrights, it's really the mark, right? So yeah. the Nanjala logo, um, and. So if that Nanjala logo appears on any product and someone is to purport, so for example, someone says, oh, you know what, Um, I can sell you that thing and they go manufacture it with my logo and I happen to know, I'm able to actually sue that person, right? Yeah. Also, if someone also opens a website that's similar to mine and they just change like a letter, like for example, they go open Nanjala shop, nanjala.co.ke and they go purporting to be me, that's also someone to sue. So there are many legal options. Uh, I mean, and there are many loopholes, but the idea is you're protecting your, because remember, your your brand is is a signature. It's yeah. di- it's something that is different from and unique from everyone else's. So just like the way when you buy a Samsung, you're buying a Samsung, you're not buying an Apple, right? And Samsung have their own way of doing things. So you can't yeah. go plagiarizing and making money but of course people do plagiarize like i know this made in china samsung but i think the the scale at which they sell perhaps is something that you know samsung are not really it's not worth them yeah. suing for because they know people know the legit thing and yeah. they deliberately buy counterfeit because that's what they can afford mm. but i think um what's important to know is that you know people like copying you know people like plagiarizing and and you don't want that because what that what happens is they deny you the you know they deny you and your market you know they're also purporting to be you they're actually sort of plagiarizing your work so yeah. that's not something that should happen and that's why i think the benefits of trademark and also you just need to own your own thing you know yeah because it is something that you've built over time yeah so 
your all the credit all the all the hard sweat the hard and sweat um that you've put hard work and sweat that you put into it should be yours right yeah. <laughs> and not be taken away by someone else who hasn't put the hard work into yeah. it yeah I hear you. Uh, so you've really mentioned a lot of tips, and I think those are tips people are really going to listen to. So I'd like you now to direct us to books, places, people to listen to, schools to go to. There's a diploma you've mentioned that you actually did that really did help you, because I know you've mentioned there are a lot of tips you need to know. And you're like, oh, is there is there any place I can just go that I can get all that knowledge in one sitting? So would you would you direct us to such spaces? Okay, so I think for me, what I'd say is, and this is sort of standard, because I think for me, there's no one particular place I can mention that will be exhaustive. So that's yeah. one to answer your question. But I think um, in terms of your mindset, you must be curious. So yeah. always remain curious. Yeah. I think for me, that's one, basically, because there are people who want to know everything, but they're not just, they, they can't be bothered. You know? yeah. <laughs> so if you're not curious, then I guess you won't really know. Yeah. Even if I was to give you all the book lists. So that's one. The other thing is, to your point on where to start. So I think where to start is to hone that talent. So whatever talent that is that you have, it doesn't matter whether it's like, like I'll give my, I'll give my example. I'm so interested now in surface pattern design. So um, I even have another small brand that I uh, okay. like a month ago where I'm selling um, print on demand products that have my own um, designs on them. So mm -hmm. what I get is royalties. I make royalties off the products I sell. Mm -hmm. It's on Contrado, they're UK. It may be a little expensive because of the whole shipping cost because they're being shipped from the UK. But what, what I've learned is that you almost need to learn the basics. What is part surface pattern design? How to create beautiful surface pattern designs? How to apply them? you know, what, um, inter interpret them digitally if you're illustrating them. ETC. So all those tutorials, I went through them, you know. Um, one month in is when now you start showcasing perhaps your collection. Like for me, I've, I've showcased a collection. Um, um, it's called, the, my first collection is the Alstromeria. It's a, it's a plant species. And, and that pattern is, is, you know, is something that I keep changing, you know. And mm -hmm. It's a collection of many patterns within just one, inspired by one plant you can imagine so the idea is to go deeper into things so that you're able to learn because people usually like touch and go you know it's it's sort of the society we live in yeah. things are super fast you also think things that happen super quick and you want to do things but unfortunately super quick doesn't sometimes translate to super good right yeah so to be super good you need to be super deep so go deeply into things and so forums that i'd suggest um going to youtube <laughs> youtube is my friend um subscribe to people so go on to people's instagram pages um um follow them understand their process because if they're good at what they do most of the time they're they're really you know there's a lot of experience that goes into what they do and that's why they're good at it so follow them and understand what makes them tick and yeah. perhaps also embrace some of their methods so follow in people in Instagram. I can't name specifics because design is such a wild space. Yeah. There are so many things. The other thing is listen to. So this is one thing no one tells you that you need to know something about everything. Yeah. No one tells you this. So you need to also be able to speak about politics. You need to be able to speak about culture, um, art, um, um, you know, even the sciences, biology, like open your mind to just other things outside your industry because um, life and the world we live in is very integrated now. So be exposed to other people you admire who are not necessarily in your industry. Don't just be fixated in what you love. Yeah. Because, um, and that's why for me, I, I can say I'm a multidisciplinary because I know e-commerce, I know graphics, I know, you know, um, illustration, ETC, ETC. And I can also hold a conversation um, on almost anything, you know, <laughs> um, just because I've exposed myself to a lot of things. Finally, I think um, join uh, network hubs that um, you admire. I'll give one which I really love. They're called Creative Nestlings. Mm -hmm. They're a WhatsApp group. Um, it's it's a it, he's a guy called Dillion. He actually is in South Africa, but it's an it's a platform that, um, for lack of a better word they push the agenda of the creative economy in this continent, Africa. Mm. And it's a WhatsApp group. You get opportunities, things like grants, um, 
competitions, whether there's pro bono work, you get access to, you know, capacity building material, you know, yeah. interesting information. So I think join networks like those, you know, where you get to learn from other people, you know, and, and I think, yeah. And then lastly, put your work out there. Yeah. Put your beautiful, don't hide it. One of the things that people t tell us about, um, about, you know, what makes the West so powerful is because they document their work. You know, that's <laughs> a simple thing. Africans and Kenyans, I don't know, for lack of a better word, they're always hiding. Yeah, I think someone will copy my work. Yeah. Do what? I mean, the democracy of the creative economy is such a powerful thing. You know, um, if you're over there thinking people will copy, then you, you're in the wrong industry. Because, in fact, you know, because talent is an innate thing. You know, it's in your mind. You can always keep recreating fresh content. So no one will, if you're good at what you do, no one can be able to keep up. No one can, you know, be identical to you or to or, or produce the work you produce. So I think the more you put out there, the more successful you become. Because I'll give you an example before we close, because I'm seeing time is running out. Yeah. I have been putting my work for illustration out there, um, botanical illustration. Because I love it, right? Not, And I wasn't really, I was doing it because I was learning. But I yeah. got approached by a company that is interested in working with me. And if I hadn't put out my work out there, they would never have approached me. You understand? Because I didn't exist. I, I wasn't known or seen. And I think that's the thing that people don't, don't say enough. Africans, please, start by putting your work out there. Yeah. Show us what you've got. Yeah. Because you might someone might look at it and they might be interested and reach out to you mm. yeah and i think that's that's what i can say thank you so much in fact you really ended at a really good tone put your work out there because people are scared of people stealing their work yeah. and like ideally even in design you're always stealing from different places and then you come up with your own original so thank you so much for encouraging us i know we are really going to have many conversations uh, so just really quickly do you have any workshops that you hold that we can come and attend you know you're you have so much knowledge we need we need three years <laughs> to unpack all that do you i have workshops? know so very interesting you say that you say that and it's very interesting you say that so um i'll just introduce one that i've just set up um on tuesday next week um, I am hosting the first, the inaugural Design okay. KE oh, okay. um, spaces on Twitter. It's happening on the 24th of August, which is, I think, Wednesday That's at my 7, to, 7 to 8 p.m. Wow. Okay, so you must join. I'll, I think what I'll do is I'll also give you a Prezi. So you yeah. need to send me details of your, of your address. I will definitely give you a present from Shop Manjala. But on that day, we're discussing um, where the jobs at. So where are the jobs at in, in Kenya or at least in Africa? And it's a big topic. It's a loaded topic. We'll be unpacking it. Um, I have one or two speakers who are interested in joining. So should they join? You'll be able to hear from, you know, the who's who when it comes to the creative economy. And we'll just be discussing what is it? Where are these creative jobs? Because I do know one of the big things that the youth are struggling with is employment. So yeah. we just touch on that. Uh, and that, I would say, is the one forum that I have where I'll be talking, um, you know, with, with, with anyone who's interested in the creative arts and particularly design. And I'll be hosting them monthly for now. But in, if the traction is good, we may be doing it every fortnight. So that's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, what's the space that handle? At the, uh... My Twitter handle... My Twitter handle is Teresa uh, Lubano, which is T-E-R-E-S-A. Lubano is L-U-B-A-N-O. Wow, okay. So looking forward to join the spaces and just learn a lot. I know as long as you're curious, there's, there's only something you're learning every single day. And I agree with you. Thank you so much, Teresa, for taking your time to answer the many questions we I had. But I know I, I have a couple more, but this is good for now. Uh, you've taken your time and uh, I really appreciate. Do you have a last minute advice? This doesn't have to be about e-commerce, just anything to anybody who's listening. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, one person I admire, he's called Vusi Tembekwayo. Mm -hmm. He's a really good orator. He's also an investor. I think he owns his own um, investor company. He invests in businesses um, in Africa. And he says one thing. He says, 
you know um you should start you know just start like uh, start shabby start scared start tired start broke start you know start whatever it is you need to do like um and i think for me um so many people hold themselves back because of fear but that fear is what is making you not get ahead you know if you think about it the fear is what what is the worst that could happen you know there's nothing you know you just learn in fact because business is a journey you know you do this it doesn't work but you know you get to know how it works eventually and you take a tangent you know you continue working it doesn't work you take another tangent it works so i think for me starting what it is you want to do is is the best thing because the worst thing is when you're old and gray and you're like gosh i wish i'd done abcd wouldn't it be sad because you know you didn't really explore your full potential so for me if you have a talent as a creative do start do showcase do show up do share do communicate it do speak to people who may give you a leg up you know don't fear because the worst someone can say is no they won't beat you they won't eat you <laughs> and and also um you get to learn and grow as you as you carry on your journey thank you uh, much appreciated uh, really good insights from you uh, looking forward to check out your spaces and just follow you people can follow you and you'll send me all the links so I'll just put them in the comment section so that anybody who'd want can get all of that so thank you so much Teresa you've really made good use of time i'm so happy <laughs> this time is really happy thank you so happy. much